I'm Holly Kanya with DRK Ranch in Morales, Texas. You're listening to the latest news in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, Texas. I hope you survived Friday the 13th and made your way through a good weekend following it. Well, we had good luck putting together this episode of Texas Ag Today. So jump on in with me. Buckle up. Let's take a ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. In the news today, all eyes in the cotton trade were on West Texas over the past week as we had storms and showers move through much of the southern plains and the Texas panhandle. In fact, the new crop cotton contracts are trading strictly on Texas weather right now. We'll check in with cotton marketing analyst O.A. Cleveland to get his take on that coming up to kick off today's show. My name is Kerry Martin. I'm your host along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the Piney Woods of East Texas to the Rocky Ranges of the Trans-Pecos and from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. One of the most prized assets at the Texas A&M AgriLife facilities near Vernon is the peanut sheller. I'm James Hunt, and coming up on Texas Ag Today, we'll talk about how the sheller is doing following a recent tornado. Getting ranch or farm property paperwork in order before putting either on the marketplace to sell. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and I'll have those details on Texas Ag Today. We'll have those stories, plus Texas wildlife news, and a complete look at the markets all coming up. All eyes in the cotton market were on the Texas weather over the past week as storms and showers moved through West Texas and the Panhandle. Cotton market analyst O.A. Cleveland says with about half of the nation's cotton crop grown here in our state, it is the single biggest factor affecting the new crop contracts. Texas weather is huge, particularly with, with respect to December futures per se, Texas weather is the only game in town. It's the only thing that's affecting the market. Uh, but uh, just the overall plus, and that uh, the Texas weather situation uh, brings speculators in buying of itself, but they see the overall front end of the market, the July going up, so that that adds more, spe- more speculation too. But, but it, it's Texas weather. That's what every single person is watching. Uh, you get a quarter of an inch, which doesn't amount to much. It'll slow, it'll stop the market for on any given day, and maybe even take 100, 200 points out of the market. Of course, we know a quarter of an inch would be nothing, uh, of no help. But uh, that's how that's how important weather is in this market. They're watching it intently. And while this week's rains were a very welcome event, the longer-term forecasts show a return to hot and dry conditions. The Environmental Protection Agency held the first of 10 roundtable discussions regarding their rewrite of the Trump administration's Navigable Waters Protection Act. 
Colin Woodall, CEO of the National Cattlemen's Beef Association, says the Trump rule did a good job of protecting both water quality and private property rights. And he fears this rewrite would change that. Well, what it would do is cause cattle producers in Texas and around the world that if you have a body of water or even a potential body of water, there's a lot of potential bodies of water in Texas, places where it may only hold water or flow with water once every 20, 30 years. But that could be required for uh, to be a, considered a water of the United States, and you could be required to get a Section 404 permit from the Corps of Engineers in order to use your land. We don't want that. We don't need any more rules and regulations on areas that are not draining directly into Galveston Bay, for example. So that's why we're going to fight this, because we need some common sense approaches to water quality regulations. We believe in water quality. We have to have clean water in order to be cattle producers. We're committed to that. We're not committed to being regulated at every step of the way, just depending upon where a raindrop may fall. The EPA has scheduled 10 roundtable discussions to get input on the rural rewrite. One of the most prized assets at the Texas A&M AgriLife facility near Vernon is the peanut sheller. James Hunt checks to see how the sheller is doing following a recent tornado hit. As we've reported, the tornado-damaged Texas A&M AgriLife facilities near Vernon are now in the early stages of what is expected to be a lengthy rebuilding effort. But research and seed development projects are moving forward. For the peanut industry, some especially good news is this. AgriLife's peanut sheller made it through relatively okay. Here's Dr. Rick Veerling. When you're selling peanuts, as you would expect, you produce a lot of dust, right? It's very dirty. So there is duct work, and we have a cyclone outside the building to collect all that dust. And that duct work was attached to the roof of the warehouse. So when we lost that roof, we lost the duct work to move that dust out to the cyclone so it could be collected. But as far as the components of the shelling system itself, we don't see any damage. Now, we haven't turned it on, so we don't know, but it appears to be in very good shape. So we need to get that warehouse, that part that's damaged, we need to get that torn down. We need to get the new roof and the building around it. And then the company that built the sheller will come in and they will redo all the ductwork so we can collect all that dust and, and move it out to the cyclone to be collected. So, you know, the damage that was done, at least it was not the main line. So we are very pleased with that. Once again, that was Dr. Rick Veerling, AgriLife's Vernon Center Director and Manager of the AgriLife Foundation Seed Program. That sheller is highly valued by the peanut industry because, with a unique capacity for cleaning and sorting seeds, the AgriLife sheller can protect new varieties from inadvertent contamination by other varieties, seed purity being a key element of seed development. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Getting your paperwork in order should be a priority before putting rural Texas land on the market. Tom Nicoletti has the story. My guest from College Station is Tyler Jacobs with Hall & Hall LLP, broker partner. And uh, Tyler joins us as he uh, often does uh, to talk about various uh, rural land issues. And Tyler, today uh, we do talk about entitlement issues uh, to address before putting 
property uh, up for sale in rural Texas. There are a number of points we want to talk about. And first, let's talk about eminent domain and right-of-way issues. The one of the most challenging things we encounter in this business, trying to market property or contemplating marketing property that is actively engaged in settling a right-of-way dispute or an eminent domain issue. Generally speaking, we want to try to put those to bed before you bring them to market. It's just a fear of the unknown with buyers. And the reality is, is that if you can get that issue settled and located, even if construction hasn't begun, I know that those negotiations, I've, I've seen them take months, even years, just because of some of the practices that are done by the taking agency with, with their appraisals and all the things that, that are not landowner friendly. So it can be a challenge. If you think you're going to be bringing your farm ranch to market sooner than later, go ahead and be a little bit more aggressive about settling that out. The two things that I always advise people on from a real estate point of view, is always make that right away as narrow as you can and try to keep the signage and appurtenances to a minimum. That'll help as you settle that out. That'll make sure that that, that issue has the least amount of impact as far as a, a right away or an easement goes. Now, Tyler, sellers of ranch or farm property in Texas uh, need to consider having a new or current survey on file when they do this process. Absolutely. This is a negotiating issue. The quicker you can deliver a property to a buyer, the more negotiating power you have with that buyer. Often a survey is the quagmire that we get stuck in. It takes too long to get a survey or there's so many outstanding issues that pop up on that survey that they're yet to be resolved. Nobody knew about. If we can get that survey in the file and ready to go and as clean as possible, it will make for a more expedient transaction and really puts the seller in a better position to negotiate. When people are considering selling a farm or ranch property in which that property has been in a family for many, many generations, title and abstract considerations must be taken into account. When you get your survey done, do it in conjunction with a title report and then have the two matters reconciled. That's going to make that title report and that survey as clean as possible visually. And then it seems like in the multi-generational properties that there's always some probate or estate issue that needs to be addressed. It's amazing how you look back and you don't think that that's complicated. It was real clean. It was real easy. Then then come to find out something wasn't filed 30 years ago that needs to be filed in order for that title to be clean. That is Tyler Jacobs with Hall & Hall. I'm Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Small Acreage Big Opportunity Workshops are back. I'm Jessica Dolmel, and I'll have details coming up on Texas Ag Today. And it's time to think about pink eye in cattle. Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today. Break out your camera and snap a pic for the Texas Farm Bureau Photo Contest. You or someone you know can share your best photo with the entire Lone Star State and maybe win some cash, like $250 for first place, $200 for second place, and $100 for honorable mention. The contest is open to Texas Farm Bureau members or an immediate family member. 
Rural settings and lifestyles are the preferred themes for all submissions, and contestants are limited to one entry per person. Top four winners will be selected and published in the July edition of Texas Agriculture and the summer edition of Texas Neighbors. Snap your pick now for the Texas Farm Bureau Photo Contest. The entry deadline is June 1st. Visit TexasFarmBureau.org for complete contest rules. That's TexasFarmBureau.org. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. It's the time of year to think about pink eye in cattle. Dr. Bob Judd says there are two types of vaccines available to help prevent it. Dr. Lowell Midlow with Merck Animal Health has a lot of experience with both the commercial vaccines and the autogenous vaccines. Commercial vaccines are readily available while autogenous vaccines must be developed. To develop an autogenous vaccine, your veterinarian will take samples from the infected cattle in your herd and a vaccine will be made specifically for the disease affecting your herd. These samples of the infecting bacteria will be sent off to the lab for a vaccine to be produced. Unfortunately, it requires a little time to make the autogenous vaccine, so it could be available late in the same pink eye season or may not be available until next season. The concern is the fact that the infecting organism could be different next year versus this year, but lots of times it will be the same and will be effective. Regardless, you cannot get samples for the autogenous vaccine until the disease has already occurred, and this will not help with the current year infection. So initially, a commercial vaccine should be used if you have a pink eye problem. Dr. Middle indicates he is aware of five studies with autogenous vaccines, and in all five studies, the vaccine failed to prevent pink eye. Autogenous vaccines are not required to prove they are effective, while commercial vaccines must show they are effective. This is not to say that autogenous vaccines should not be used, as it depends on the herd history. Most ranchers start off with commercial vaccines and only consider the autogenous vaccines if the commercial ones are ineffective. Since commercial vaccines are readily available, you can vaccinate your herd prior to pink eye season and hopefully prevent the disease. I'm Dr. Bob Judd on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Small acreage, big opportunity workshops are back. Jessica Domel has more information in today's wildlife report. To help small acreage landowners in Texas navigate the unique challenges they face and achieve their wildlife and conservation goals, the Texas A&M AgriLife Extension Service and the Texas Wildlife Association once again will host a series of one-day intensive workshops between now and October. The first small acreage big opportunity workshop of the year is May 21st in Bandera County. Amanda Gobley conservation education specialist for the Texas Wildlife Association joins us with more. The SABO program is designed specifically for small acreage landowners in Texas who are wanting to manage their properties for native Texas species. And we got the program started primarily because we've seen that that is a growing demographic of landowners in Texas. Topics are going to include things that people tend to have lots of questions about, like wildlife tax valuation. We always gather together a panel of what we call our local experts 
So those are going to be folks like agency personnel, local educators, or just others who provide information or even like financial resources for landowners in their areas. We feel like that's especially valuable because lots of times new landowners especially just don't know who to go to with questions that they have as they start to manage their properties. We also always have a session called Reading the Landscape which is designed to help landowners kind of figure out how to interpret what's going on on their property. That includes elements of like plant identification, for example, and just understanding the general ecology of the area that they're in. Cost is $80 and space is limited. You can RSVP to the first program on the Texas Wildlife Association's website. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. Live cattle ended the week mostly lower while feeder cattle closed higher. We'll take a look at all of Friday's livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. This is Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. I've spent the past 30 years covering Texas agriculture, so I know how stressful farming and ranching can be. Things like the economy, finances, and the weather increase our stress levels and can leave us feeling defeated. That's where the Texas Agri-Stress Helpline comes in. Write this number down, area code 833-897-2474. That's 833-897-2474. 2474. Have you experienced problems like rising costs, market fluctuations, family conflicts, or extreme weather? Are you feeling stressed and defeated? It's okay to ask for help. Call the Texas Agri-Stress Helpline. Here's the number again, 833-897-2474. Once again, 833-897-2474. If you cannot write it down right now, just remember you can go to farmlifehelp.com. That's farmlifehelp.com. Even the toughest people need help sometimes. Don't wait. Call today. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. The cattle market traded both sides of unchanged on Friday. In the end, we closed out with the live cattle market mostly lower, feeder cattle higher. Live cattle lower on all except the nearby June. It was up 42 cents, 132.07. August live cattle down 42 at 132.35. October down 72 cents at 139.12. May feeder cattle up a dollar, ending the week at 157.87. August feeders up a dollar fifty, one sixty eight oh two, while September feeder cattle were up a dollar one seventy sixty seven. Cash fed cattle market steady throughout the week. We sold most of our cattle here in the south on a live basis at one forty. Up north, dressed cattle sold for two thirty. Again, that's steady money compared to the previous week. Boxed beef prices were mixed on Friday. Choice up a dollar twenty-three at two fifty-eight forty-three. Select down fifty-two cents, two forty-three eighty-four. Now let's check the auction barns. We're walking the pens with J.R. Gully. 
This week we talk with Brian Lundsman of Seguin Cattle Company, who reported a good sale in Guadalupe County. Uh, sale was pretty dang good. Uh, you know, I'd call these stalker cattle a little bit softer, three to five. Cows and bulls steady, but, you know, with the cost of fuel, we knew there was going to be an adjustment this week. And uh, ended up with 552 head, uh, those two to three weight steers, dollar fifteen to $1.97. Three to four weights, dollar twenty-three to a dollar seventy-nine. Four to five weights, dollar thirty-one to a dollar seventy-eight. Five to six weights, a dollar twenty-seven to a dollar seventy. Six to seven weights, dollar thirty to a dollar sixty-one. Had a few of those bigger yearlings, uh, seven to eight weights, dollar fifteen to a dollar fifty-one. On the heifer mates, two to three weights, a dollar five to a dollar fifty-eight. Three to four weights, dollar twenty-three to a dollar seventy-one. Four to five weights, dollar fourteen to a dollar seventy-two. Five to six weights, dollar twenty-five to a dollar sixty-nine. Six to seven weight heifers, dollar twenty to a dollar forty-nine. On those commercial cows, uh, from seventy to eighty-six, uh, had a few pairs from seven hundred to a thousand fifty, and most of them middle-aged cows from four seventy-five to nine hundred. Top end of the packer bulls was a dollar two. So, like I said, not too bad a shape for the second week of May. Good deal. You had a few more sheep and goats this week, too. Yeah, they keep coming out of the woodwork. Ended up with 1,355 sheep and goats. Had a home for every one of them in those good nannies from 150 to 240. And those good kid goats from 325 to 380. And those good dorper ewes from 100 to 160 with the lambs bringing 325 to 370. So not too bad as long as you got the good ones. That was Brian Lundsman of Seguin Cattle Company. This has been Walking the Pens from the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. I'm J.R. Gully in for Larry Marble. Good day. Thanks, J.R. Back over to the futures market now where Lean Hogs finished the week mix. The May contract was down 10 cents Friday at $100 even. June Hogs up three twenty-seven dollars at $100.75. Class 3 milk was mixed Friday. May milk up a penny, 24.96 a hundred weight. June milk down 34 at 23.76 a hundred. The cotton market finished mixed. The old crop under pressure from a poor weekly export sales report released Thursday. That caused a lower close on the July contract. However, the new crop months continue to climb higher based on the positive news coming out of USDA's World Agricultural Supply and Demand Report on Thursday. That report lowered both cotton production and ending stocks for the 2022 season. July cotton down 33 points, ending the week at 145.20. October cotton up 57, 134.70. December cotton up 32 at 127.99. The corn market closed lower, taking back much of the gains we saw on Thursday. May corn finishing 19 cents lower, 794 and a half. September corn down six and a quarter, 757 and a half. While December corn was down four and a quarter, 768 and three quarters. Hard wheat continues to climb higher, mainly on dry weather in the Southern Plains. July Kansas City wheat up 12 cents to finish the week at 12.82 a bushel. Soft wheat, however, finished lower. July Chicago wheat was down one and a quarter, 11.77 and a half. In the energy markets, June natural gas down 10 cents, 7.63. June crude oil up 4.25 at 110.38 a barrel. The financial markets were higher Friday afternoon. The Dow up 466 points, 32,196. The Nasdaq up 434 at 11,805. 
The S&P up 93 points, 4,023. That wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. My name's Kerry Martin. Hope to see you back here next time as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state on the planet, Texas agriculture. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.